The world's two best podcasters have reunited, Tom McCaffrey and Danny Palmer. What's up, bro? What's up, bro? What's up? How you doing? <laughs> Good, dude. Are you making fun of me? Are you mocking my surfer style of speech? What's up, bro? Uh, um, no, people people would always uh, make fun of me for having for having that. That's what people comment about my speech style that I sounded yeah. like a, you know like a valley girl. Yeah, you and I are similar in that regard. Well, like, what's up, dude? Don't yeah, I used to do. Yeah, people used to. Yeah, I have a weird voice. I can I, I, I know everyone suffers from that thing where they, you know, they hate the sound of their voice. Do you? Do you have that? I feel like my voice is so mellifluous, mellifluous that you know, I'm just widely beloved, including by myself. Do you? But when you hear your voice, are are you like? Is it? Do you cringe or do you like no, it? I like it. I think I have a pretty good voice. That's weird. <laughs> I don't like what I because I I feel like other people cringe. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, really, when I to my sets, I'm like, oh Jesus, Danny, why are you why do you keep saying like so much or why are you talking so fast? Like I get irritated at some of the things that I do when I speak, but the actual sound of my voice, I think it's pretty good. Oh, uh, okay. Well, what do you, how do you feel about your voice? Uh, I don't I I don't like it at all. I really when I listen to it, I I just am not. I'm like kind of mortified that that's how people are hearing me. <laughs> I feel like if I'm performing at a comedy club, if I speak directly into the mic, that my voice can like fill the room pretty well. So I feel like that's good, you know? Yeah. I'm not but, like, hi, hi, everybody. Hey, hey. You know? Yeah. Uh, no, you don't talk like a, a Jewish like a grandma. Fucking mouse. Um, so. What uh yeah what's going on so um I so I've uh, my book is out now everyone please go buy it that's my I, I gotta read it. I gotta buy it and read it what t- yeah tell everybody about your book it's called Born Funny a Comics Chronicle through the rise of alt comedy and it's um it kind of um it's a novel sort of an autobiographical novel so so it's uh, based on my. Um, actual experiences, you know, starting out doing stand-up comedy and getting involved in like the alt scene that would, you know, they kind of grew into this thing in the aughts, um, and kind of, you know, so it's kind of like one one person's journey through comedy and also during an era that became like a very important, impactful comedy era later. You know what I mean? They kind of launched a new generation of comedians and stars. Kind of, so it's kind of both. It's like an origin story of a comedian, and also while he's in the midst of this kind of um, interesting era of comedy, starting with a bunch of people who would later on become like you know the biggest people in comedy later. So, yeah. So it you put yourself celeb as celeb cameos. What has a lot of celeb cameos before? You know, actually, it has a few yeah. celeb cameos like while they're famous, but also a lot before they're famous. And it's sort of oh. Forrest Gumpish, which in that oh, okay. I'm around for you know a lot of the, and I witnessed like a lot of the like most impactful, important comedy moments you know, and pivotal. And also my character, you know, the the character that's based on me is pivotal in making a lot of comedic moments or huge pop culture iconic moments happen. Um, that was, that was going to be my question. Like you're the autobiographical protagonist, but you're fictional, but the other characters are real and that it's like Janine Garofalo or something like that. Yeah. It has real people in it, but, um, 
some of them are like an amalgamation of uh, a, you know of different people into one character and um a uh, lot of names are changed uh, are some of the names not changed some of the names aren't changed basically if i said anything not maybe not that flattering i changed their name yeah <laughs> but anyone whose name i use i i'm it's not there's nothing bad about them it's just my interaction with them and um and it's not made up like i the interactions are are basically true there's just maybe not exactly things maybe didn't transpire exactly how they they do in the book but it's kind of like to my the best of my recollection that's how it happened who's somebody that's real that you didn't change their name of jack nicholson <laughs> did you meet jack nicholson yeah i met jack nicholson at the oscars oh that's right when you're just a tyke yeah so that's kind of where it starts um which is kind of supposed to show that that's where you know like the big the protagonist kind of gets his first bite of showbiz and it's kind of like an addiction from then on um that he can't let go of so it's basically and there's a scene where i meet jack nicholson and i um make a comment like an offhanded comment and uh it uh it, it uh, shapes like a decision that he makes later on. It's ba- like I'm basically the catalyst for why he does the movie Batman. That's basically. Wow, <laughs> it sounds like it's a really humble book. Well, I just think it's funny that you know when I was writing it, I I, I was going to do a lot of you know kind of insidey references to things that would happen later, you know. But I thought it'd be funny if not not only would you make a reference, it would also be that I was the one that that made it happen in a way that affected the trajectory of huge pop culture moments, kind of you know like how Forrest Gump did, but all you know kind of like yeah. um not on purpose, kind of like uh yeah unintentionally make like I basically tell and then, you know and also I say he said he he makes a comment about. You know, I'm 10 and, I, and he's like, oh, what kind of movies do you like? And I'm like, I like superhero movies. And he's like, and I'm like, they should make more. And he's like, oh, they're not going to do that. <laughs> you I'm just like, make I, Jack Nicholson an idiot and you're the star. Well, it's supposed to be in Hollywood. Superhero movies weren't big at that time. Like they were making, yeah. there was a, it, it, when they came out with a superhero movie back in the 80s, it was like a huge deal. What didn't happen all the time. It was like. Once every two or three years, it'd be a superhero movie. Now it's just every movie is a superhero movie. Um, yeah, can we go back to those pre loser days? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was the in the 80s, it was definitely getting, they were getting worse. Like the movies weren't as good, but it was right. It was that era had still just happened with like the 60s and the 70s where the directors were kind of in charge of the movies. And they would just give them free reign to make good. Like I saw an interview, I think, with Dustin Hoffman recently. He said that you know in the late sixties, it was basically when people were directors were just like, "We're going to make this thing, and we don't really know what, what it is, but we're going to try and make something really good." Instead of being like, "Well, this better make money," you know what I mean? It was like, "We're just going to make something that we think is really good," and and studios were like open to that. Like, "Yeah, make so you guys are good. Like, make something good." Now they're like, "I don't give a shit if it's good. Like, is it going to make money?" <laughs> right. The ROI has to be baked in at the outside, or else they're not going to fund it, right? Yeah, exactly. Like, so it's not really how, how can you really have any artistic freedom if it's just basically like, "Well, this better make my money back." 
And if yeah. you have that hanging over your head, that's not really, you're not really doing art. You're just kind of, that's business completely bit like business. Yeah. That's more like the Duplass brothers model of movie making. Right. Which I love their movies, but they're not going to be like, you know, avatar two. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Did you know that you can change what you taste by what you hear? How can you use sound to make a deeper connection with your clients? Can we be healed with sound? Sound influences people in their buying decisions and their daily lives. In the podcast audio branding, I explore all of this, both with my own observations as a voice actor of over 15 years and by interviewing knowledgeable professionals in the field of advertising, marketing, music, and science. To have a listen for yourself, visit audiobrandingpodcast.com. Yeah, but I mean, you know, they don't want to be. They didn't, you know, they um uh Yeah, I read their book and they talk about that how they had some buzz early on and they um wouldn't go to all these meetings and stuff with producers and Hollywood people and and they'd be like, "Yeah, we're interested." And then they it wouldn't go anywhere, so they were just like, "You know what? We're fucking we're just going to make our own things without any money." So they had this rule of I th- you know, they were saying like if you you know if you want to do a short film, just make it for like I think it's something like like fifty dollars or something like something really low budget, um, like on your phone. Yeah, yeah. So, but you know it's, that, that that's that makes sense, and it's it's even more so now because when they started, you couldn't do that, right? You couldn't just they, you didn't have iPhone iPhones, but they even did it without. The technology you have now they were just like we're i'm doing it fuck it i'm not waiting for some fucking studio person or whatever to, to give me a shot um and i don't even know you know they've been they've been at it for a while i don't even know what the that business is anymore you know they're fucking in free fall they don't even know what they're doing in that business you know what i mean yeah this so is they're like, not gonna, what ahead. I was just going to say, so they're definitely not going to take chances on anyone new now. Like, they, you know, the people who are established and doing great are fucking can't get like there's some movie. Mm. Someone just um, like Mark Wahlberg was in a movie they released recently. And I, I heard it made like a million dollars. That's, <laughs> that's so like crazy. insane. <laughs> that reminds um, me. Some comics said that they went on The Tonight Show and they got like eight Instagram ads, like new followers from The Tonight Show. Like I looked at somebody's set recently that performed like I don't know like six months ago. It had like forty nine thousand views on the internet. I mean, who knows how many people watch it that night? But probably less than a million. It's like not even I, that big of a deal. That yeah, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think when because I read something about that. I don't, someone wrote an article about how those late night spots and all that stuff just completely became just irrelevant. Like maybe five six years ago, where they just you know it's I'm not saying it's bad. It's just like. For a while, the the template was those would catap- would help your career immensely in comedy. But now it's just it, it's not really going to do anything. So people are who are still obsessed with getting late night spots. It's just kind of that's really sort of you're kind of barking up the wrong tree. It's not yeah. really going to do much. Someone else you- said that to me. Someone, I think it might have been Anthony Jeselnik or someone. Year this was like ten years ago, and they said that they did. I think it was the Tonight Show, and they said they got like ten Twitter followers, and it was like even that what? long ago. That's crazy. Yeah, it was. It was a while ago. This was like ten years ago, I think. And um, 
Because I remember, I think I tried to get a late night spot like years and years ago. And then I just remember, I was like, what is, why am I trying? You know, it's, first of all, it's really hard to get. And it's like, I, I'm like, why am I spending so much energy getting somebody I don't really even want and like isn't really going to do anything? You know what I mean? Yeah, you might be able to use it as a foray into getting an audition at a comedy club or booked for road work by a club booker who who would, you know, see that as a laudable achievement. But for the most part, generally speaking, broader American public, what it's only going to have a limited effect, right? Yeah. And I mean, if you're doing The Tonight Show to get more club work. I mean, what? <laughs> I don't want to feel like that's the first of all, I don't want I I don't want to do that. And then, like, I remember I heard that years ago, people would do half hour specials and they were like, well, you know, and I was like, are these really good for you? Like, what do they do? And people are like, well, you can get more road work. And I was like, I don't really do the road. I don't want to do the road. Like, it's kind of like, oh, well, what if I, you know, do this thing? You know, if I go to medical school and they're like, oh, well, you can get a job at the DMV. You know, it's like, well, why would I? spend all this time to go somewhere i don't want to fucking go yeah i think i would only want to do road work if it was my primary source of income to do road work but if i had a day job and i was like schlepping to different cities every weekend like fuck that that's plus my day job is really challenging and time intensive and demanding adding that on top of that that is not appealing to me and maybe that's to my detriment because maybe i should be pursuing those road dates more but i mean i'll just stick to like open i'm opening for julio next week in tampa i opened for ricky in denver last year like i'll just stick with that like the piecemeal yeah. things here and there you know you don't need I, I mean I, I don't think i don't even know what that is anymore road work and stuff because first of all you, you know it's all about social media and the followers and stuff and like that's how you're gonna get booked like they're not gonna yeah. so I remember even when I was like in the thick of comedy and like road work was more of a thing, people were like, you got to do the road. And I, I was like, I don't want to do the road. Like I just, I did it a little bit, but I remember I made a decision where people were like, well, I mean, I make, you know, some people were like, well, I make my living as a comedian. You know, I do the road. And, you know, the thing is like their lives were miserable. They were constantly just trying to get these shitty bookings at these shitty clubs in the middle of shitty towns. And, I was like, you know, I'd rather just have like a job that was like maybe an easy job that I didn't hate and then just do comedy on my own terms. You know what I mean? Instead of like having comedy, you know, because people, you know, would kind of brag about like, well, I make my living at comedy. I'm like, yeah, but you don't really make a good living and your life's a nightmare. So like, what is the point of that? You know what I mean? Like, I'd rather live a life I like and do comedy when I want to do it and the way I want to do it and not not be at the mercy of comedy. You know what I mean? Because yep. even if you're headlining every weekend, which most comedians are not going to be able to do, you're going to be making like $50,000 a year. Is that good? Are you serious? <laughs> Is that low? Well, just think about it. If you're headlining, maybe making 1000 a weekend at average. Don't you think I mean, like Sam Morell, Mark Norman, those types of guys are making more than that every weekend? I mean, I think they're making more, but they're not like your typical... Uh, I see. They're like the high end. They're like the high. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you know, there's not a lot of Samuels and Mark Normans. So, like, yeah. I mean, I'm just saying, like, a a comedian who's doing okay, you're not going to headline usually. And even if you are, it's just like, I did the road a little bit. It didn't pay me that much. I didn't really like it. I didn't get much out of it. I I wasn't making my comedy better. I was making it worse because I was in front of crowds that were dumb and. And I didn't want to be around. It was just like not. You're so arrogant. 
<laughs> Why? Because people are stupid. I disagree with you. That pe- that people are dumb. Yeah. Well, the, what I think well, saying the that is an indication of being dumb because it's a broad blanket statement, and those are rarely, almost never true. Th- that you're revealing your own ignorance rather than these alleged audiences' ignorances. Ignorance. My ignorance. I, I did. <laughs> I did comedy shows in front of people. They were not. I would talk about some something nuanced and smart, and they didn't understand what I was saying. So, well, maybe the joke wasn't written well enough yet. And I'm not really. <laughs> um, I'm fucking with you. But I'm not really even like a uh, some highbrow, complicated comedian. I, I, you know, I'll talk about whatever. I have an immature sense of humor. There just there's not a lot of um, sophisticated. You know, my book is about the alt scene, and the, and that's kind of I that's kind of what that represented was a lot of comedians who kind of had different styles, and it was sort of a backlash to the uh, kind of stale style of comedy that had come before it, which I think was a lot of like road type comedy because alt comedy was always kind of like shit on. They're like, well, they're not doing jokes, but all it was is that they were talking about maybe more obscure things and maybe taking a little longer to get there, which is a welcome development from like the old, like Catskill days, like take my wife, please kind of, kind of, well, that's what I mean. I feel like the road is borderline. I don't, you know, that's like a cliche and a joke, but if you do the road, you see comedians and they're like that. They're basically like, take my wife, please. So, I mean, as, and, and you know, and the people would argue, I remember when I, early on, people were like, you gotta do, you know, do whatever you can do any comedy, which I think is true to a point, but if you're doing bad rooms and you're early in your, your comedy career, you're going to develop an act that's hack because that is what works in those rooms. And, you know, you you need to keep getting booked. And if you bomb like once or twice, they're just like, we're not booking you anymore. So it's kind of like you do have to develop an act that's going to work in front of not very sophisticated crowds. Or just be a more experienced comic that can handle any and all crowds with their level of sophisticated humor, right? You know what I mean? Like I today, so, you wouldn't but... have that issue because you're better than you were back then. Um, I guess right? so. Yeah, so? but I mean, I would still have to like. I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm better. But I think I'm better because I'm more. Um. I just kind of don't. I'm not. I'm not trying as hard to please people, which I think makes you more appealing as a comedian. You know what I mean? Instead of, I think my my main gripe with stand up comedy isn't even like Joe. When I now that I watch it, I see what I really hate is like the disingenuousness of it. Like when someone is so clearly just kind of reciting jokes and seems very disconnected and not really there. That's what yeah. seems the most. That's what I and I think there's so much of it now that people most people are, like I feel like most people when I see them do comedy when I see all these clips it's like they all look like carbon copies of other comedians like it's all it's like everyone learned to do comedy by watching these Instagram videos so they're all the same you know what I mean? which I get because that's how you're learning to do it but it's just like boring to me I, I don't know I know are these comics like, that have been around these comics that have been around the New York scene for like. 15, 20 years, and they just found six pieces of spaghetti that stuck to the wall, and they repeat those six pieces of spaghetti over and over and over and over again, just so that they can get the attention that they need to subsist and and feel alive at the cost of being growing 
and the cost of other comics having to watch you repeat the same jokes every single fucking time. It really bothers me. Well, the thing about that, whatever those people myself from that emotionally. What? No, no, it does. It, I, I mean, I really. That's one of my pet peeves in comedy. Is I hate it. Pe- is people who Writes never new jokes. write new jokes. I cannot. Well, what is the fucking point? The thing, the thing that that baffles me about it though is like how they can do it because it's like yeah. That is so – if you're going to do that Sad. and you're just going to do the same act over and over and make your living that way on the road, go fucking do something else. Like that's that's not being creative. Like no. I, I understand if you're like, well, I, I'm an artist and I'm creative. It's like, okay, but you're not be, you're, you're you're taking a creative job and turning it into a rote, boring job. Like you might as well be a fucking plumber if you're doing that. I don't really it, – it's, yeah, it's, it's weird like to see – and it's weird to see people who like – pick creative fields who aren't creative when they're doing it that's such an odd paradox to me so what i know when i do jokes over and over i just can't i i need to write i I remember people who always make comments like man you always have new material to me you know and like i can't believe you read and i was like yeah because i'm just bored like i i don't i don't want to go up and just like it almost feels like cheating if you if you go up and just do the same. And believe me, I'm guilty. I've gone up in front of crowds and I'm like, I'm just going to do these jokes that are going to kill. But yeah, of course, there's times when, it, that, when you need to do that. Yeah. But then like when people will be like, oh, man, you were so great. Part of me is like, I feel like I cheated. You know what I mean? Because I'm like, yeah, but I kind of went in there like it was kind of a loaded. I went in with like a loaded machine gun. So I didn't really uh, yeah. do anything. Right. One thing I hate is like, not hate, but like sometimes a comic will come up to me and be like, hey, I really like that one joke. And it's like a joke that I've been doing for 11 years versus the like three to four newer ones I was working on. Like, I'm always like in my head, I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm sincerely grateful, but I'm like, God damn it. I wish you would have said he liked one of the newer ones or she liked one of the newer ones. But yeah. that's kind of like the nature of the game where your older jokes are more established and probably more likely to receive a compliment than your newer stuff you're still yeah. working out, right? And so now when I do comedy, I almost feel like I it's like a challenge. Like I'm like, I'm gonna go up and like just do all these like new jokes just to see if I can do it. You know what I mean? Like it almost feels yeah. like a like a game. Cause I don't do it as much anymore. And so when I do it, I don't I don't have a lot riding on it. So I'm like like I'm not like, God, I hope I do well and they'll book me again. I'm like, ah, well, I'm just gonna like do this. And a lot of times I do well because I think like the audience can pick up on that. Like someone who's just kind of like completely in the moment and kind of, you know, like it's very engaged in what's happening, not just kind of on autopilot. You know what I mean? That's one thing I really never liked about comedy. It felt very like oddly, this is like performative, but in a bad way, like autopilot, like a monologue. It should never be a monologue. Just, yeah. Like that, that, that I think that's why I, was try- I was tried to be loose with it because I, I didn't I never wanted to sound like I was it was pre set up or you know what I mean like predetermined. There could be a frequent acting. tendency amongst amongst LA comics to to have that kind of performative. It's almost like a one man or one woman show, and then it's like okay, well this isn't a one person show. This is an interaction. Stand up is a communication between the performer and the audience. It's not. A recitation it's on a monologue right because uh, acting it's not an act it's right because when experience. you're doing a monologue and acting in theater it's like you, the audience isn't supposed to be there so yeah you're blocking them out but 
um, in stand-up. It's I don't know I, that 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 like I said, whenever I will watch it now, I'm always like, yeah, that looks very over rehearsed and overly phony, kind of. There's a yeah, but you know, but you're not I, like that, and great comics aren't like that. No, I'm not. But I, you know. Uh, and a lot of times crowds don't respond well to it. Like they, they want that a lot of times. A lot of those comedians will kill. I see them kill all the time, but I, it doesn't, it's weird. I almost feel like killing is like secondary now. Like if people who are like, look at me, I kill. It's like, well, I mean, but it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like a weird point where these seven jokes kill, but then what? So what? It's such an it's odd like, thing. So to, what? Such an odd opinion and viewpoint for me to say that, like where it's like, the last thing I think about in comedy is like how someone's doing, you know, and how, if they're getting laughs. I mean, I want to get laughs and like, I don't like it when I don't, but, um, I've, but I, you know, when I would record myself a lot, I would do sets and I wouldn't do well. And then I'd watch it and I'd be like, wow, this is really funny. They're, they're like, not, they're just not into it, but it's not bad. You know what I mean? Yeah. I just want to say one thing, the corollary to the comic that gets six pieces of spaghetti, throws them to the wall and repeats them for 15 years is the comic that just only touches surface level topics, like basic identity things like I'm Jewish. That one comes up a lot. And look, if you have some great jokes about being Jewish, I'm all for it. If that yeah. is the entirety of your act, it's like, come on, there's got to be more to you than just that. Are you only your basic identity or uh, your core identity? I'm not you know disparaging that but is that all that you are aren't you a thinker don't you have relationships don't you have you made mistakes in the past don't you have aspirations yeah see that don't was what, stories and, to tell like is it just that and that was a big 80s trope you know like it was very like you know it became very hack and you know where people would be like i'm half this and half this and that means or yeah you know, so which is a very um beginnery kind of thing and very yeah surface level and i think i hate that those are the kind of jokes that like in the alt scene that's what they were rebelling against was like i don't do like the thing that the industry wants you to do where it's i'm this or i'm that um and like i said people would do those jokes because they were learning it from watching people do that over and over so like I, that's why i feel like a lot of with Instagram and the internet, you you people have so much access to see all these comedians now that they'll copy them a lot more aptly and will do a good job of copying them, but they're not original or good. You know, what I, I feel mean? like stand-up so, should be a reflection of the rest of life and that you should be learning and growing and experimenting and trying new things. And if you're just latching on to two or three surface level topics, and that's it. Then that's just kind of like sad to me. Yeah. And I've seen it a lot. You see it a lot with comedians who like even good ones where they'll they'll get to a certain level, not not level, but they'll get to a certain place and skill level of comedy. And they're good, but then they they don't go anywhere. That's a weird one to watch. I've seen that a lot. Especially with people I kind of started out with. Like I knew some people that were really good early and I was like, wow, they're really good. And like they're better than me. And then I would watch them years later and they were the same. And so now they weren't that good. So it was kind of like, oh, you you kind of were good early on, but you you just kind of rested on that. You know what I mean? You didn't you didn't explore it. And I think that what you have to do is like sort of 
throw it all out the window at times and you really have to take risks and uh, i think that that's a big thing about alternative comedy that i really like i think why it connected with a lot of people is it was a lot of people taking risks when a lot of comedians were not taking risks and so mm. that thrived in that in that in that um environment like that was kind of the whole almost a requirement like you better go out there and take some risks because and you weren't worried about killing you know what i mean it was like it was almost hack to kill you know a little bit that's a great way to reframe you know the common perception of alt comedy that it's like this elitist snobby we're in brooklyn we don't need laughs but it was also a you know an improvement on these hack tropes that were dominating right yeah and i mean that's why i think maybe it's like anything maybe, maybe people took a little too far about i don't care about laughs because i mean if you're if you're up there and you're doing comedy you do care about laughs but I think part of it was, look, I'm just going to do this. I don't know how you're going to react. I'm not, you know, you might, it might bomb. But, and I do feel like when I was in that environment, I, I it made me a lot more relaxed to take those risks. And fortunately, usually I didn't want to bomb. They would, it would go over well. So, um, but you know, I'd like I you know I did a, a room one time early on in like Times Square. There was like a shitty room, and I it was a bad crowd. And like I think I did bad once, and they like never booked me again. It's like oh really? So that's it? Like I didn't do that great for five minutes, so it's over. Um, yeah, you mentioned that last time we we potted together. That yeah, you're like oh I went first, and then later in the show they were warmed up and had a couple of drinks. But that was your one take on me, and you're just like oh that guy's he must not be good. Because of the yeah. spot in the lineup, you got that one show out of the thousands you've done. Right. And I remember one time, this was like four years ago, this guy, I'm not going to say who it is. He, he ran a room and he would be like, um, yeah, he would only pay like one person on the sh on the show. And that was like the, the person who went last, who maybe did like 15 minutes and the other people maybe did like 10. And I was like, hey, can I go on last and you pay me, you know? <laughs> And he was like, yeah. And he booked me once and I went up and like, he wasn't even there, the booker. And I remember like, I don't think I did bad. Like I thought it was fine. Like I did fine. And then I was like, Hey, can I do the show again? Like, and he was like, yeah, I, I heard like you didn't do that well. So like, you know, can you like, I forgot what he said. Like, can you make sure you do your best stuff so that you do well? And it's like, <laughs> That's a little painful, but it's also like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Like, yeah. like, hey, it's such a weird thing to be like, hey, can you make sure you do well? Like, yeah, can you, you know what? No, terrible, I bro. can't. I can't really. I can't guarantee that I'm going to do well on the comedy show. And I mean, find, it's insane for you to think sucking. that. What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's I'm like, sorry, that's but I a, suck, so I can't. But the thing is, this guy knew me. You know what I mean? He'd known me yeah. for years. It wasn't like he knew I was good. So it's just kind of like, hey, can you not be bad? It's just like, and I, I was like, and I like, I know when I'm not doing well. Like I'm, you know, because I'm standing there and they're not <laughs> laughing. So, yeah. um, I'm very sensitive to that. I, I was like, did I do bad? And then I was like, who told this guy that I did bad? Um. <laughs> And I remember I just never fucking asked him to do it again. I was kind of like, really? Because it wasn't even like a lot of money. It wasn't even that great a show. And um, I just thought it was such a weird, like, you know, I wanted to be like, yeah, no, I, I tried to do, I wanted them to laugh. I mean, and I think they did, but, you know, okay.
You know, and I, I almost wanted to be Sounds like, can fair. you make sure you, you have crowds that are like uh, not stupid and <laughs> yeah. know what comedy is? Can you improve the quality of your venue and then I'll... Can you get people who actually act? know what's good? Um, Wait, I just wanna, my, we have like what, seven minutes years. left? Okay, yeah, go ahead. Sorry, I just, I just want to mention two quotes to your earlier point about audiences being dumb. These are the quotes that I always bring up when comics say this. Okay, this is from Del Close, the... Uh, you know, the famous improv. Yeah, the guy guru. who does do stand-up. Yeah. <laughs> he says, play to the top of your intelligence. If you treat the audience like poets and geniuses, that's what they will become. Hmm. See, if Again, you're writing them off was, in your mind, then an you're creating that guy. milieu for yourself. What? He was also an improv guy, but okay. I mean, it's performing arts. It's not. Those are really not. Improv and stand-up are very different art forms, I think. I think that audiences can use their intelligence to take in sophisticated improv just as well as they can use their intellect to take in sophisticated stand-up. Um, I don't know. I feel like improv is a very people who are audiences that are into improv. It's a very specific thing they're going for. So I think if people who go to an improv show, you have to be into it. You know what I mean? It's like going to see, you know, Cirque du Soleil, something very specific that, I feel like stand-up, everyone just kind of associates with like stand-up. Oh, yeah, I can go watch some clown just stand there. And improv, I don't think is – I feel like it is almost a little more sophisticated in, That's in, true. Terms, of, That's in true. terms of audience. You have to really hold a story in your mind while you're improv, watching it. Improv places – improv groups don't just show up in bars and start doing improv, usually. Yeah. Okay, and then I, the second quote from Adam McKay, audiences are way smarter than people give them credit for. What about that? What about that, pal? Um, because everybody's like, "Oh, the crowds are dumb." That's just I don't I disagree with that, man. I mean, I think most people are born with a relatively similar similar level of intelligence, and if they've got money to go to a comedy show, they probably have their life somewhat together. To assume that the audience is dumb, I think, is like short sighted, unfair, and wrong. So what you're you're saying I'm short sighted and wrong for that's correct. The crowds are dumb. Um, I'm sure that there are some. Also, crowds I don't know. Isn't Adam dumb, McKay some part. like? Isn't Adam McKay like a? He's probably talking about his movie audience. I don't think he he doesn't really do stand up. So I knew you were going to bring that point up. But you mean the point that is completely on the <laughs> that, nose that dooms my point. Um, <laughs> you mean the <laughs> the apt counterpoint? Well, I mean, well, people watching I, I various forms think, of entertainment are audiences. I, think, I I understand those quotes, but they they're both referring to different mediums of of comedy. Like, so um, for stand up, those two quotes don't apply at all. There's I don't think no that parallel. they pl- apply as much. I think, I think in terms of film, I think he he's clearly a great you know filmmaker and director and. Um, I think that that's what he's referring. I think a lot of movies they try to they try to dumb it down to a, a crowd to the masses. I think it's different when you're in the middle of like wherever the fuck. And I think stand like stand up. The problem is like um, I think it, it is a um, an art form that doesn't get a lot of respect. And I think it's because a lot of people don't treat it with respect, and so I I don't think it's looked at as anything by audiences i think a lot of people look at stand-up as like well what's he doing he's just talking it doesn't look like anything to anyone you know what i mean Mm -hmm. like i think it looks like something that you know people are like i could do that he's not doing anything it's kind of like remember when um the oscars they had like james franco and um what's her face Anne hathaway host yeah 
I thought, and then they went up and they just were bad. And it was like, people seem so shocked, but it was like, well, why would they be good? Like, they're not funny. They're not stand up. So it's kind of, yeah. and I, I think that their attitude when they did that was like, well, what, I mean, it's just talking. They'll just go up there and they'll just say some, we'll write some things and they'll be funny. But it's like, no, there's more to it. You need to have like a sense of a crowd and you know what to do if it's not going well you know what i mean there is there's a craft there's chops that you need to have that but not if you haven't done it you're not gonna have so yep um i like i said i think that's why it doesn't get respect i think like if you're really funny which is probably the hardest thing in the world to do i think people look at it as like like an unsophisticated thing yep this is, this is slightly on. Yeah, I'm honest. This is <laughs> Jesus, Tom. This is slightly uh, off topic, but it's so, so, there's some parallels. Uh, Lynn um, Coplets has this great joke about when she goes on stage. All, she feels like all the guys in the room look at her and go, boy, that stripper sure is chatty. <laughs> like, it's just a woman standing there. How could this be art? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that like, um, I you know, it's funny. I was once emceeing a show and and she was on. And um, I was in the green room and it had been like two minutes as I brought her on and I was just in the green room and she walks into the green room and um, I was the MC and I just brought her on and she's in now she was in the green room and I'm like, what's going on? (laughs) What? You're like, why are you here? I'm like, what's going on? So what's happening in the show? Like, and she was like, I can't do it. I can't that crowd. I'm not going to do that. And I was, and so I had to run out because she like, I don't know what had happened, but I guess they had been kind of rude and she just walked off like, fuck you. And so I had to go out. Um, And I think I like calmed them down and then brought her back on. Um, No shit. Good job, dude. Not calm, but I was like, "Hey, will you guys like you know?" And people were like, "Yeah, bring her back out." I don't know what I and I don't even know how bad they were, but um, I don't yeah. know. I kind of respect that a little bit. Like, you know what? If you're not respecting me, like, fuck off. I'm not. I'm not doing this. Which I, which I, I would like that more than a comedian who's just kind of like, "Oh, please, please, like it." I don't know. So yeah, 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 yeah. It's confident. And also, like, I don't know, like, I, I think people are you're looked down a little bit as like a comedian, like if you, it, it, the audience sometimes feels like it's like part of part of it is like insulting you and like, yeah, shut up, you know, like heckling is part of it. And it's like, no, I'm fucking doing something. This is it's rude for you to scream at me. Um, <laughs> the way you talk is so funny. But you know, Why what are I mean? you screaming like, at me, dude? I'm trying to talk. But like, I would do it with crowds. Like, they would yell and stuff and talk. And I'm like, look, this is rude. Like, I don't like. I'm. T- I'm. You know. All right, I get it. Like, you think this is stupid and nothing, but it's like I'm not just gonna like. If you insult me, I'm not just gonna take it. Yeah. Um. I guess we better wrap on that note. Okay. Well, that was <laughs> audience good. is being rude to you. What What are your handles? Oh, at Tom McCaffrey seven two two um, on on Instagram, and then uh, please, yeah, buy my book "Born Funny." It's on Amazon. It was got, got to like the top twenty on the bestseller chart. That's amazing! Congrats, bro! Thanks, More success man. to you. Thank you. You too. Yeah, thanks for listening, y'all. I'm Danny Palmer, NYC, on Instagram. Send me a note. No, no one ever does. And uh, Black Cat every Friday night nine o'clock. Okay, you come cool. perform again, dude. Last week, was yeah, cool. yeah, I do. Yeah, thanks. I'll hit you up, dog. Okay. All right, bye, bye y'all. Bye, peace, peace man. Thanks. I like to say, I like to say, come at the end.